on the block on demand this is on the block with brent axe you heard the voice man it is on the block espn radio what's happening happy tuesday everybody Oh, so much better today. Sun shining, 72 degrees, perfect, almost summer day in central New York. Not the oppressive heat and humidity we had yesterday. Yes, I get it. Don't complain because when there's six feet of snow on the ground, you want it to be like that. Actually, no, I don't. I would rather actually be in the middle of winter than deal with the humidity of yesterday. I am not a big fan of that. I, you know, If I had to, I would, but I would not want to live in a Florida or somebody or someplace, I should say, that that's normal, not to mention the, the annual air conditioning wars that take place in my house. Like, I don't, it could be, it, it could be a, a meat locker in my house, and I'm fine. Like, I, I'm just, I don't get cold like that, especially when I know what it's like outside. My poor wife last night, she, I look over, <laughs> it felt like the middle of winter in my living room because she's got a long sleeve shirt on, she's got pants on, and a blanket. I'm like, Oh, is the air conditioning down a little too low? It wasn't like 74. So, you know, that's the other thing. Not only do I hate the humidity, I know when it gets that hot, it's like, oh, here we go. The annual air conditioning wars have begun again. That's hot. Well, you know, it was hot outside, but inside it was a little little too chilly. What? It's only a 55. Come on. You know, it's not that bad. Anyway, so... Two things I wanted to hit here before Mike McAllister joins us to focus in on recruiting because there's SU Hoops news there. There's a couple commitments football-wise and a offensive line prospect that narrowed Syracuse down to his top four that Mike is going to tell us about coming up later on this hour. On the Block is presented by Burdick BMW, by the way. On football, our buddy David Hale from ESPN, one of our favorite guests during college football season, did a fun thing today where he kind of went through the ACC and he did kind of the win-loss totals, the over-unders, and where he sees them now. And the reason I wanted to bring his up is he is a rare person I've seen that covers college football regularly that dives into this stuff that actually has Syracuse going over their projected win total. Now, depending on which... And I was about to say for entertainment purposes only site you go to, but uh, given the recent ruling by the Supreme Court of the United States uh, in this state, not now, but soon, it will no longer be for entertainment purposes only. It'll be for cash money, homie. Let's get it. Billion dollars. You can place wagers on this stuff, right? I saw a, a few guys on Twitter that were posting their tickets, buying or placing bets, pardon me, in New Jersey and Delaware. And, boy, I saw one guy that got odds that if he cashes in, if Syracuse basketball wins the national championship next year, about ten grand coming his way. So if you are in New Jersey or Delaware this summer, you might want to swing by your uh, local casino and get a wager in there. Hey, you never know, man, right? You got to do it. You're going to get pretty good odds. Now, the projected win totals for Syracuse, depending on which Vegas site you go to or which, you know, gambling site you lean on, is either four and a half or five and a half. 
And most Syracuse fans, if they see four and a half as the over-under, they're going to jump on the over. And I understand why you would do that, but you also would have lost the last two years had you done that because the over-under on Syracuse has been at either four or four and a half the last two years. You would have lost both times because obviously Syracuse is coming off back-to-back four and eight seasons. But no, this, this is the year they go over. And it could be. This could be, I think the schedule lightens just enough. And they have enough experience on the offensive side of the ball. Keep scoring points at the rate they are. The key is defense. You've got to stop some people because the defense has just fallen apart the last two years. You go Western Michigan, Wagner, Florida State, Connecticut, Clemson, Pitt, UNC, NC State, Wake Forest, Louisville, Notre Dame, BC. Where are the six wins in there? I think that's the question we ask ourselves a lot. It's the question we've asked ourselves the last few years. It's something that Dino Babers needs to get to. It's the next step. It's year three. The natural progression is, all right, six wins, bowl game. This is it. To truly show you're making progress, and they have done everything they can to show they're doing that other than making a bowl game. When you beat Clemson, the number two team in the country, when you beat Virginia Tech, a top 25 team the year before that, you prove that you can win these games. They were both at home, which that's college football. you got to cash in home field advantage like that. So Syracuse has shown signs in recruiting wins, in upset wins, in talent that they're bringing in, getting the most out of talent that was here under a previous administration setting all kinds of offensive records, getting transfer players like Amba Etatawu, who come in and you know set every offensive record in the book at that position. There are signs it's progressing. The overall feeling from Syracuse fans, I believe, is a positive one. They like Dino Babers. They like what he's putting into place. Thanks, Brent. Thank you, Coach. But at some point, proof's in the pudding, man. Six wins is the next step. I saw today... Uh, Chris Carlson was going back and forth with somebody I know on Twitter about there's a bowl game in Detroit. And Chris kind of made a joke about, like, hey, the Syracuse.com staff, you know, winces at the thought of a bowl game in Detroit. Let me tell you something. As a Syracuse football follower, if you are a Syracuse football fan, I think you'll go to a bowl game on the moon at this point, right? We got the Space Force now. Yay, democracy. Let's go to the moon. For a bowl game. I don't care. You could put a bowl. Give me a map of the United States. Give me a blindfold. Let me throw a dart at it. And if they'll hold a bowl game there, let's go. I don't care where the bowl game is. Detroit, Walla Walla, Washington, in your backyard. I don't care. I think Syracuse fans just want to go to a bowl game. Want to know what that's like again. And I think now they would not show up in the droves that other fan bases do. But I think, you know, whatever city hosts that bowl game, and you do hope it's somewhere kind of warm that time of the year, but I don't care where it is. It could be in Scranton for all I care. I think Syracuse fans just want to go back to a bowl game, and no offense to the fine folks at Yankee Stadium, where Syracuse will play Notre Dame this year, Pinstripe Bowl, yeah, kind of been there, kind of done that. So... Not that one, but any other bowl. Give me a map. Give me a blindfold. Give me a dart. Throw the dart. Let's go. I don't care where it is. I think 
I speak for most Syracuse fans in saying that they will go anywhere, anytime, to see this team play in a bowl game. Is this the schedule that will do it? Well, David Hale says yes. He has Syracuse winning six games, getting the over, and the the air quotes upset that he has. Because if you're going to win six games, barring Syracuse, tightening things up on defense, which with the loss at linebacker this year is, is going to be a tall ask for Brian Ward in that defense. So your offense has to pull an upset for you. Although the defense was just a part of the, the upset over Clemson as anything, knocking Kelly Bryan out of that game and going from there. So you got to give the defense credit where it's deserved, but they've been just, you know, a, a gushing dam burst the past couple of years. The points, the yards, just the missed tackles, it's it's just been the Dungey going down is one thing. The defense not being able to stop anybody the last four games of the season, the last two years, that's been a big concern. And the, your last four games this year are Wake Forest, Louisville, Notre Dame, BC, which is interesting to me because the the upset that Hale puts on there is that Friday night game against Louisville. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. All right, you want a hot take? And I like Weezer. Not a fan of the remake of this song. You know why? Because some things just shouldn't be touched. Some things just shouldn't be touched. Now, sometimes you take a chance and it works. Like, apparently this new Karate Kid show that's on YouTube, which I haven't gotten around to watching yet, but will, is fantastic. But for everyone that's great, there's five that stink. So, if you want to listen to Africa, I go Toto all the way. And I like Weezer. I'm going to be at that show when they're at the Amp next month. But it's just, no, it's just, no, it's just nice try. There's just some things you just kind of have to let be. That's one of them. All right, so I got hoops on the brain a little bit. And thanks again to Mike McAllister for joining us on the Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks Hotline talking some recruiting. And we had a couple SU hoops notes in there. And our buddy Mike Waters over at Syracuse.com has been doing a great job this week, kind of. And not only Mike, but Donna was out in Utica did a nice story today about Jimmy and Buddy Beheim. They're playing in the King of Kings League in Utica, which is a very competitive, great basketball league to check out. Great summer pickup league where you can see a lot of former Syracuse players. Daywan Coleman was out there as well, kind of getting back into the swing of things. So, you know, Don and Mike, even here in, you know, mid to late June with summer about to start, always kind of keeping Syracuse hoops on the forefront. And what we have not had is the usual discussion of where fill-in-the-blank Syracuse player will go in the NBA draft because when Tyus Battle decided to come back, it took out that possibility. So I want to get to the draft in a moment here, but with Mike doing this great series this week about what to expect from Syracuse basketball players next season, he's kind of forecasting what they need to do to make that next step as players next year. So we kind of took that, and I want to give you what we feel are the top five things they need to do as a team while weaving in some individual traits here as well next year with Mike putting that on our brain. So bring out the voice guy and let's make it happen. Number five. I, I think using a bench is going to be something that not only Jim Beheim will be able to do because they had no bench last year as the season went along, but I think will benefit them. And I think it'll settle into the usual seven or eight rotation. But, you know, you've got some very talented players that are going to be on that bench. You've got some players that can contribute there and, 
you know, staying healthy is always important, and that may or may not be one of our top five things here, but you got the benefit of a bench last year. Syracuse was a team that didn't have a bench by, couldn't use it by, they didn't have one, right, last year. But when you have a Jalen Carey there, you have a Buddy Beheim there, you have, you know, Elijah Hughes, you have some players that can contribute, that can give you some quality minutes. You're going to take pressure off ties. You're going to take some pressure off Frank Howard. You don't have to play O'Shea Brissett 38 minutes a game, though if he's having a great season, you don't want to take him out too much either. But the benefit of a bench, I think, will be huge for this team next year. Number four. I think Merrick Doljai having the confidence to take more shots is going to be something you see develop with him. So smidgens of it, little pockets of it, because he was just being left open. And once he gained confidence as a player and settled down and figured out he could play in the ACC, what were we, what were we saying last year? He's not big enough for the league. He's going to get pushed around a little bit. That turned out to be a bit of a misnomer. There were certainly times where we saw it, but what he should be working on, and I know Mike will write about this this week, is when you have that mid-range jumper, when you have that shot on the wing, when you are given the open shot, and he was being encouraged to take it once we kind of hit that second half of the ACC season. Now you got some shooters on this team. You got Tyus, you got Frank, you've got O'Shea, whose shot I think will be much improved this year. Jalen Carey can score, Elijah Hughes can shoot, but you know, you leave Merrick Doljai off that list, he can make some opponents pay. Number three. I think O'Shea Brissett's got to be a star. And we're talking about what this team needs to do to make the next step. They made the Sweet 16 last year. But I think we know how unique of a formula that was that they made the Sweet 16, given they had basically six healthy players snuck into the tournament as the last team in, had to go through the play-in round, and you know that's a Syracuse formula right there. Just get them in, and they'll find a way to be successful. They've proven that time and time again, not only historically, but in recent years, right? But taking the next step, being a Final Four contender, being a team that will take a different path to try and get back to the Sweet 16, you need a star. And while Tyus Battle is the early candidate for that, and all Tyus Battle has to do is just, I mean, he, as Mike wrote about, and you know, his numbers were just off the charts last year. He set records for minutes. He averaged, you know, a, 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 a point. I'm going to pull it up here so I, I get my numbers right, but his points per game were some of the highest that we saw in recent memory. And he's on some lists, he's on some very short lists here in terms of what he did scoring average wise. He became here it is. He became just the fifth player in Syracuse history to reach a thousand points by the end of his sophomore year. Lawrence Moton, Johnny Flynn, Billy Owens, Jerry McNamara, Tyus Battle. That's the list. Right? I mean, you just look at the numbers that not only he put up, but had to, because someone had to carry this team. And, pl- and log all those minutes and be the guy because health-wise, it just went downhill throughout the season. 19 points per game, the most for a sophomore since Dave Bing averaged 22 points per game. Dave Bing! His scoring average went up 8 points per game from his freshman to his sophomore year. That's incredible to see that jump. So he has all the stats. And he can build on that? I mean, we're talking about some record-setting things here. So Tyus is the natural answer there, especially because he's coming back and he'll be seen as the leader. But I think O'Shea needs to be a star, a compliment to Tyus with the, you know, 
the help that they're getting and some of the names that we just mentioned there. And I think we all saw that raw potential, that raw athleticism from O'Shea last year, but he could make a bigger jump from freshman to sophomore year than even Tyus Battle did. That's how good I think he can be, and I think he will be this year. Number two. I think Frank Howard's got to cut back on turnovers. He found a way through it, and Mike did a great job writing up his numbers on this as well. But I think that's the next step for a guy, particularly with the amount of help, health-wise, you know, hopefully, that this team will have. But that's the next progression. Making the smart play, cutting back on turnovers. You know, look, a point guard's going to have turnovers trying to make things happen in a game, but that number was just a little too high last year, and I think if he can cut back on it, put players in the right position, make the right passes, incorporate. And, and I think part of the reason his turnovers were so high is, like we said, it was the same six guys playing. With more options, you can take less chances. You can put the ball in safer places, and I think he will cut back on those turnovers. Number one. It's obvious, but it's got to be stated. It's you got to stay healthy. And everybody's going to have bumps, bruises, and, and nicks and, and things that happen over a four-month season. But it is just downright. The further away we get from last year, the more remarkable that story becomes that they managed to grit their way to the Sweet 16, given the fact that Pascal Chukwu was not healthy, Barama Sidibe was not healthy, Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, and O'Shea Brissett had to play every minute of every game. They had no bench bumps, bruises, things that normally would limit your minutes. It was not you got to suck it up and play cuz we literally don't have anyone else. Not only injuries, but you had a player, two players leave the team. Geno Thorpe leaves the team. Tarian Thompson left the first day of the semester. That was the consistent story from that team. Who's out tonight? Who's leaving today? And yet there they were at the Sweet 16. That's a great story. It's not a model. You want to use year in and year out. It's great that you can do it, but that's not the model to get back there consistently. So staying as healthy as you can is an obvious thing to say for a lot of teams. It's especially for this team, even though they're deeper and have more numbers and could really, in a sense, afford another injury or two. But it's really, you could kind of amend that to be Pascal and Barama. Though they are vulnerable guys as big players. I mean, Pascal is the longest player in Syracuse basketball history. And those big guys tend to be more vulnerable to just things that happen in the pain. And they both suffered serious injuries that you hope they recover from and don't affect them next year. But once you get the type of injury, the knee injury that Barama got, the eye injury that Pascal had, not to mention the, the shoulder injury that he had last year and the things that he went through, they tend to linger in big men. So, yes, the whole team has to stay healthy. The whole team has to stay stocked. And you hope you don't have any departures or changes of heart like you did last year. But I think you can really hone that in on Pascal and Barama because the two-headed monster they could be in the middle, splitting the minutes, both playing 20 minutes per game, providing you know the mix-up of what Pascal brings with his length, what Barama brings with his athleticism. I mean, that's what I really like about next year's team. You think of it, this team has it. They've got size. They're one of the tallest teams in the country. They have athleticism. They now have shooting. They now have depth. They have a star or maybe two stars or maybe three if Jalen carries as good as advertised. They looked at all their flaws and said, yep, we've checked pretty much every box. 
of what we need that we didn't have last year. And again, that was a Sweet 16 team. And on that note, we'll take our final break. Get you up uh, ready for Yankees on deck. One final segment here on this beautiful Tuesday evening in Syracuse, New York. You're on the block. Don't go anywhere. Thank you. Bye-bye.